the Drug Enforcement Administration doesn't just nab illegal drug traffickers. It also regulates the production of legal but dangerous drugs like opioids. Responding to a law enacted in 2018, the DEA is proposing new regulations for how it grants quotas in an effort to curb addiction. Joining me with how this process works, the DEA's Assistant Administrator for Diversion Control, Tim McDermott. Mr. McDermott, good to have you on. Good to be here. So tell us about diversion. What does that mean? And I guess there's a whole big DEA apparatus that deals with it. That's correct. The mission of DEA's Diversion Control Division is to prevent, detect, and investigate the diversion of controlled pharmaceuticals and listed chemicals from legitimate sources while ensuring adequate and uninterrupted supply for legitimate medical, commercial, and scientific needs. And what does that mean? Essentially, that DEA has oversight of the pharmaceutical industries, of industry where we are ensuring that there's adequate quota, that the diversion of legal, licit uh, pharmaceuticals are adhered to the CSA, as well as we're ensuring that there's limited diversion of these so that the uninterrupted supply of pharmaceuticals can be used in the medical industry. So diversion means that somehow they make it out into the marketplace, not through a prescription and not through use by the intended individual legitimately. Correct. And so what you would see today is four to five new users of heroin start by taking pills that are in your medicine cabinet at home. And so they are diverting it from its intended use the majority of time when it's when people end up being addicted to these drugs. If you were to have a, a back surgery, for example, and the, the doctor prescribed you hydrocodone and you used it for the purpose of that, then that's what it's intended for. But when you use it for recreational purposes, that's where diversion would happen. Got it. So diversion could be misuse by the original holder of the drug, or it could be, hey, I've got 80 pills left over, you want them type of thing. Correct. And and quite honestly, that's what we see on the street a lot, where typically it's about a dollar a milligram and people would be selling those on the street. And if you had 100 pills that was prescribed to you and and you diverted from its intended use, you you could do the math and you'd have $3,000 minus what you paid for. Sure. Now, doctors usually in hospitals decide how many pills people get in a prescription. And if the industry responds by manufacturing based on what those demand signals look like, how does quotas come into it? How can the manufacturer avoid the diversion if they're responding to what the demand is from the medical establishment? Great question. So what happens with the manufacturers is that we have a system internally, and that system looks at the amounts that are being dispensed or the quota that they receive, and then they end up dispensing to distributor and then at the end of the day maybe to a pharmacy. So what they have to do is they have to know their customers. They have to be sure to know what the intended use is for. And if something looks out of the ordinary in actually this year, the end of this year, in October, we have a a system called SOARS, which is our suspicious ordering system. And they would have to say, okay, all of a sudden, for example, I'll just make this up. If, If they typically sell to whoever, 500 bottles of this, and then the next time they get one for 1,000 bottles of a Schedule Two, that's going to be suspicious, and they need to find out why. So if it happens to be there's a new hospital in the area, well, that would be uh, inadequate, and that would be something that... Um, that would explain uh, The it. right thing to do. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to if, if you were doing it for illicit purposes. Got it. And I guess, unfortunately, we see the cases come to light, because I read all the Justice Department press releases, too, that often... 
the chain of people that you trust in this whole thing are betray that trust in the way they handle and order drugs too, doctors and and distributors. Yeah, that does happen. But one thing that uh, the public needs to realize is that there's 1.8 million registrants and less than a half a percent are actually doing things they shouldn't be doing. So the system in itself is very regulated and people are typically doing what they're supposed to be doing. We're speaking with Tim McDermott. He's assistant administrator for diversion control at the Drug Enforcement Administration. And this support act, which passed a couple of years ago, what did that specifically direct DEA to do and how have you responded? The Support Act gave DEA a bunch of things to do, and one of the things to do is we have to estimate diversion. So we're working with uh, the FDA, CDC, Medicare, Medicaid, also working with the Attorney General's offices, and we also look at stuff outside of just those interagency partners to come up with what we believe is an estimated amount of diversion. And what we have to do is then look at when we come up with our annual quota, which we also refer to as our APQ, which is our aggregate production quota, we have to look at what amount of diversion is out there. And there's a variety of ways uh, to do that. We can look at it based on total net disposals, trends in national rate of net disposals, actual inventories, projected demand, the extent of diversion, and that would be by cases that we have ongoing within the United States, within DEA, relevant information from FDA, CMS, CDC, and then other areas. So we would look at overdose deaths in certain regions, and then we come up with the quota here to ensure that we're meeting the medical, scientific, research, and industrial needs of the U.S., but also making sure that we're limiting the possibility of diversion. So setting the quotas or resetting them then is really an act of rulemaking? It is, correct. And uh, the proposal for the act of rulemaking makes us conform with the amendment to implement with, with the Support Act. Now, you proposed rules in October. Is the comment period over? What's the status of the new rules at this point? We can't talk about the status of it, what we're at, but what I can tell you is that uh, we're in the process and we have comments that we'll get back to, uh, those individuals that have proposed comments. That's basically what I can tell you as of right now. But also, part of the Support Act makes us go back and look at the supply. And part of that, typically, a company would be able to have a 50% supply. Now it's going to go to a 30% supply of you know, we're, we're talking typically of the Schedule II drugs. When you say 50 to 30 percent, that's of the monthly or yearly Reduction. supply? Correct. And I guess in this context, really, quota is maybe synonymous with limits on production. It is. That's correct. And in the rulemaking that you have out there and the comments you received, did you get lots of individual comments as opposed to, say, mass-generated comments from, I don't know, whoever would do that in a drug-making or drug-related rulemaking. But I know a lot of agencies are dealing with how to deal with uh, large numbers of similar comments generated by a couple of sources. Right. There's hundreds of comments, so we'll have to go back and answer them. But typically, a lot of the comments, will they will be similar. And so a lot of times, we'll be able to answer those comments, and maybe uh, one answer would be for multiple comments. Right. And what's the timeline? When do you hope to finalize the rule, the quotas? Well, it's a priority for us, and I can tell you we're moving these as quickly as we can. So hopefully in the next, uh, I would say hopefully within the next couple months. And is it fair to say the big object here is to reduce the amount of opioids making it out of legitimate channels and uses, and thereby, we hope, reduce some of the addiction that's uh, plaguing the nation? 
Well, that's definitely that's correct. But what I can tell you also is since uh, 2016 through 2020, combined for Schedule Two of these opioids, we're down about 55 percent to date. A good piece of news, then. Yeah, and so and and that's because you know a couple reasons. Number one is educating the public. Number two is the doctors are writing less prescriptions since uh, January of 2017 through December of 2019. It's uh, down prescription writing is down 28 percent, and then pills that actually leave the pharmacy they're down about 35 percent that same time period. Tim McDermott is Assistant Administrator for Diversion Control at the Drug Enforcement Administration. Thanks so much for joining me. You're welcome. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash Podcast One to learn more and start your free trial.